0: My guest this week is fashionable food enthusiast Michael Munoz. He's a writer, successful food blogger, culinary MC, and podcast host. His podcast, In Your Mouth, is the only food-focused podcast that celebrates the stories of the LGBTQ food community. Get ready to turn up the heat in the kitchen, the bedroom, and everywhere in between. And stay tuned for a new segment at the end of the show. As always... I'm Maurice, and you're listening to Category Is. All right, listeners, I've got a treat for you today. I'm here with the queen of food, who's always in the mood, host of In Your Mouth podcast, now food blogger extraordinaire. I can never pronounce your last name. Michael.
1: Munoz. Munoz. Yes. Munoz, hi. How,
0: Hello. How are you doing? I'm
1: great and thank you for having me on. You you got that right. I am the queen of food who's <laughs> always in the mood to lick it right, lick it good, show you how to <laughs> mm. That's
0: his theme song. Check out his podcast. I'll put all of the information down. In the show notes. So we like to be inclusive here at Category Is. So what are your pronouns and dietary restrictions?
1: What are my pronouns and diet? <laughs> 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 okay, my pronouns are he, him. Although uh, more often I am called she, her. And I, I'm okay with that. But in respect to those who absolutely identify as she, her, my pronouns are he, him, and my dietary restrictions are um, dairy and uh, judgy white gay men. I'm allergic to both.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> you've been a food blogger for a while. I think you said like 2009. Yes, sir. Um, you've been kind of in the food. Um, so take me and take our listeners through kind of like your culinary journey. Like how did you start out in food and how did you like get interested in you know the culinary world like was it like from growing up like how was it in the Munoz you know, household or
1: oh well like i mean yeah that's like six questions in one but i but i'm here <laughs> for i'm here for all of it and that's yeah. that's quite a journey um i should start by saying that if you would have told me that i'd be doing what i do today even like five years ago, I'd be like, oh, what are you, what are you talking about? We're, yeah. not, we're not doing that. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> so, no, um, what happened was, was that I uh, went to school to, and I have a music education degree, right? Because that's the only mm-hmm. way to convince my mother to let me go to school to sing because I wanted to be a musical theater baby. Fast forward, okay. here I am pounding the pavement right living up in times square um and you know just doing the thing right pounding the pavement going from show to show to show and it was like 2008 2009 and i ended up coming home from like about of like four shows back to back and when you're in like the theater business or you're like an artist and you're working blessed to be working you live in this kind of bubble they don't teach you in school that hey just because you're working this is there's a time clock on this right this is about to end and you need to make sure you have ish lined up later nope figure it out yeah nope they don't teach you that so where did i end up on in my mother's house right with no work because we were in a recession and i was just watching a lot of food network at the time and yeah. I grew up with uh, watching shows like Graham Kerr, Julia Child, mm-hmm. um, yes, Emerald yes. and whatnot, shows with a little bit, a lot of pizzazz, like just a lot of like showmanship. Yeah. And it was almost like the late night show with like Jimmy Kimmel or or, or Jimmy Fallon or, or like that with the food aspect. It was really, really fun. And the aesthetic at the time was, you know, Giada De Laurentiis and Ina Garden. and it was very... Everything was very quiet and very, (laughs) you You know what I mean? And there was, Mm -hmm. I mean, it was stunning. Like, you know, get it girl. Like live your, live your best, like food, ASMR life. And it was shot beautifully. It was beautiful. It just wasn't really captivating me. You know, obviously Mm -hmm. I'm like outgoing. I'm loud. I'm a little boisterous. And I had a basis in food, in food TV. That was that pair that with. That there was nobody that looked like me on television there wasn't Mm -hmm. a latino cook on television right being presented and there certainly was Mm -hmm. wasn't a gay person on television Uh, and forget about it a gay latino uh, person cooking in on food network that's not a thing actually i still don't think it's a thing right no all t no shade
0: not yeah every now and then they'll have like a contestant on like one of their shows, but never like a prominent like-
1: Yeah, like a host. Host of a yeah, show. Yeah, all we yeah. see is like Reed Drummond, bleh, and um, <laughs> Guy Fieri, who uh, has been doing a lot for the for the restaurant community uh, during the pandemic, right? So we, mm-hmm. we can't shade him because he's really been putting the work in to help people out of work from waiters, bartenders to restaurants and whatnot. So, you know, I started there. Then I got the idea, well, well I don't see myself represented here. And I miss these old shows, so like, let's let's start something with all this free time I had. And back then, blogging was it, right? And so I started a blog, and it took off. And then, you know, it kind of went away because you know the internet is fickle. After a while, you're you're a flash in the pan, you know. And then <laughs> you're hot one day, you know, not the next. And yeah. um, and then every time I left to go back to the theater, this sort of business. Kind of just pulled me back. And when you're in the theater business as well, you know, you're in and out of restaurants, but most likely in between gigs. You're, you know, it's the easiest, it's most flexible, it's a lot of money. It can be a lot of money quickly. So mm-hmm. I have mm-hmm. a crap ton of restaurant experience. And then all of a sudden, I found myself catering things outside my, um, out of my tiny apartment. Then all of a sudden, I found myself baking a custom wedding cakes outside of my tiny apartment. Really? Yeah, it's just, it all just always, some sort of food aspect always kept pulling me back.
0: Pulling you back. Pulling me back, yeah. pulling
1: me back. And right now it's manifested in, you know, a lot of like casting people and food TV stuff, like calling me and that's a blessing, right? Keep the phone ringing people. Um, <laughs> and my podcast where I celebrate LGBTQ Uh, food people right and their stories right because it's Mm -hmm. it's stories we in a way we haven't heard before right so that's kind of like the short of my culinary journey did I grow up cooking I grew up in a Puerto Rican household yes my mother can cook the house down my grandmother (laughs) when she was alive both of them could cook the house down rice and beans tons of pork all sorts of like Puerto Rican deliciousness. My first foray into cooking was like mm-hmm. probably um, a, I'm pretty sure it was like a Betty Crocker, uh, not a sponsor, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, cake mix. And then I I think the first real thing that I made made, I remember watching Emerald make uh, sw- uh, acorn squash gnocchi, sweet potato gnocchi, something like that, some sort of gnocchi mm. fresh in a brown sage butter sauce and i was like oh i can do that meanwhile i i didn't cook but it's kind of been the story of my life it's it's never like let's start at the beginning i i always start backwards
0: (laughs) you know (laughs) start in the middle and then kind of just spread
1: that's right you know what in the kitchen (laughs)
0: and in the bedroom
1: (laughs) oh okay
0: (laughs) this is a family show Oh, well, no, you joking. know what? Not. <laughs> <laughs> no.
1: You had to start in the bedroom to create the family.
0: That's, that is true. That is true. So kind of um, to go back to your, you know, your, your growing up um, and like you, you said, your, your grandma was a cook, your abuela, your mom was a good cook. Like, how were you in the kitchen? Were you just like watching and observing or were you like hands on or were you just like, that's not for me right now. I'll just
1: eat. No, growing up from a young age, and I don't know if you can relate, but growing up in any sort of ethnic household, whether you're Latino, Asian, you know, a Black, whatever, um, even, even a Jewish here, right? There is this <laughs> sense of, like, no, no, like, if you're, like, grounded in your heritage and you're growing up in that sort of household, you're put to work at a very young age. Those... Those things, hopefully, and hopefully this is carried on now mm-hmm. with the kids. But we were put to work, right? So at a young age, I was cleaning the bathrooms, right after dinner. I scoured the pots, and then my mother would come over and check yeah. them and throw them all right back in the oh, sink. <laughs> yes. These aren't clean, and I would cry. Or yeah. like during Christmas, when you you make like the big the bigger meals or like things mm-hmm. things that are labor-intensive uh, in. Intensive, like pasteles or like coquito, or you know every culture has their thing, like dumplings or or you know um uh what are they what are they called? I love them so much, I can't even think of the name right now, you know, just these labor intensive things you know you're put to right. work in some sort of way, you know even even now, like when I help my mother do some things, and I have no hair on my head, I still have to wrap my head, you know <laughs> yeah. um can't be sweating in the food. You can't be sweating in the food. There's no hair in the food. So yeah, there were mm-hmm. there is that sense. Was there a lot of observation in the kitchen and like get the hell out of the kitchen before you mess up what's happening here, you know? Mm-hmm. There was a lot of that too, but there was a there was a pride in the food, you know? And right, yeah. there was a passion in the food, and still to this day it is very rare, and I've had a lot of rice in my life and a lot of good rice in my life. But still mm-hmm. to this day, I don't know what my mother does to that rice that it's 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 so good. It's just so yeah. good. And funny enough, that carried on to when I first started working in restaurants. Right. Because mm-hmm. I would I, ha- I was very fortunate to work with some really, really dedicated and, you know, um, just really dedicated chefs and like chefs that like really loved their craft. And Mm -hmm. so watching them almost was like growing up in the kitchen, too, because there was this passion and this love of the food. And so I would want to go home and recreate that. And once I started Mm -hmm. to do that sort of thing, and that's why why that emerald thing kind of kicked it off, uh, my mother would say to me, where did you learn to eat like this? I didn't teach you. Right. But maybe actually, and this is the first time I actually put this together. Maybe she actually did teach me. That because the passion yeah. was there, because, mm-hmm. because your your roots are grounded in this food, yeah. you know, and mm-hmm. then these chefs they had such a passion for what they were doing, and it was part of who they were, you know what I mean? It kind of yeah. it kind of like grasped in me in that way.
0: Yeah, definitely um, understand that. So my um, growing up, my mom was not the best cook like at all. So my dad did all the cooking. Um, And then, you know, parents divorced. Well, they got a Southern divorce. They never like legally divorced. They kind of just, you know, split up. But um, so when, you know, we were with our mom, she, the meals weren't the best. So it was a lot of like, you know, we're latchkey kids. So we would have to like cook for ourselves a lot of nights. So if she would, um, so she first started off, she was a police officer, by the way. So she would come home on her like dinner break and she would cook, cook the food. And then she would like c- say, come watch me, you know, cook. And then we would have to watch her. And then it progressed to, um, you know, she would like just call in, you know, after, you know, when it's dinner time and say, okay, I left this out. This is how you cook it. let me walk you through the recipe. And then it progressed to, I left out that chicken, I'll be home at six o'clock. So like a lot of that um, was like kind of a progression of like, I'm gonna show you, now you are more integrated into it, now just do it yourself. And so that's kind of where I think our food journeys um, started, my brothers and I, but then also, um, like when we would spend time with our dad, like every Sunday we would spend all day in church and then, you know, afterwards he'd be cooking like the huge Sunday dinner. So like frying chicken, making biscuits, you know doing cornbread the rice and gravy the beans you like everything so it was a lot of um a lot of that too like kind of like watching him and his flavor profiles were like so different from like our moms even though we're,
1: they're from like the same area so it was just like a lot of that that's in, kind of that's incredible helped develop yeah yeah um and develop. i always say this on my podcast that shout out to all the moms holding it down right because uh, mm-hmm. my parents divorced too and we were latchkey kids so, mm-hmm. you know, um, I had my handy snacks in the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, and you know what? Shout out to all the dads who are holding it down as well, uh, like yours did, and like threw down in the kitchen because, mm-hmm. you know, the, those are the stories we don't hear much of. We, we just hear the stories of like, dad's gone, mom's holding it down. And, mm-hmm. you know, so shout out to, shout out to your mm-hmm. dad, too. That's, that's incredible. Yeah.
0: Yeah and then my brothers and I like now we're the main cooks like in our <laughs> families and our relationships so like my older brother does all most of the cooking um with you know him his wife my younger brother does most of the cooking there and then I do you know the cooking here cuz my boyfriend just cannot cook
1: <laughs> at all <laughs> like
0: that's his struggle
1: well i mean listen we all have our we, are, we all have our thing yeah and i for for as long as i've been cooking one of the one of the most favorite things or one of my most favorite things I should say that i that happened on my podcast is that the learning never ends right the learning right, right? Mm-hmm. i just turned 40 in january and i am oh, these actually. these people my guests have taught me so much and one thing that uh someone said to me uh shout out to you dr jason goldstein Of chop happy uh said Mm -hmm. that you need to see once you realize the once you see food beyond its purpose Mm -hmm. right once Mm -hmm. you see food beyond it just being like as a means of sustainability right right then Mm -hmm. it becomes a completely different thing right right then it becomes about community then it becomes Mm -hmm. about oh you know what Chopping these herbs is like just really peaceful right now. And I had a really stressful yeah. day so I can like mm-hmm. meditate or, you know, what, mm-hmm. stirring this sauce. Like I had a really like stressful day, but I'm like grateful that I'm like here and I can cook for my man or my person. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's something that sticks with me on the daily, on the daily and has really, I mean, mm-hmm. I think I can throw down, but it's also like, once I'm in that that specific like headspace, it's changed mm. the way I cook. Really? Yeah. Also. In the sense of like there's food is emotion. Food is right. food is feeling. Food is food is a lot of things, right? Food food can just be food. But you know what? If you're not in the mood, you're just going to throw something in the oven or or throw something together and mm-hmm. and it's just going to be like, well, This is it. I'm eating it because I'm not in the mood. (laughs) But like once you're in this headspace or you're like, okay, I'm going to cook. I'm going to cook this meal. But then once you take it to another level of like, this is really calming or, you know what? I really Mm -hmm. love doing this because I'm doing this for my person or my family or whatnot. There's an extra sort of something that happens that Mm -hmm. you can physically taste in the food. Yeah. Have you seen that movie? I think it's called Chocolat. Oh, my God. The cook,
0: Yeah. (laughs) Whatever mood they were in when they were cooking, like, it came out in the food, and the diners were just
1: bawling, crying. (laughs) Way to take us back, Johnny Depp. Yeah. (laughs) I used to love that movie. That was one of, you know what? Uh, You know how people are like, oh, who's your favorite celebrity, or who's, like, the the celebrity you would, or whatnot? Mm -hmm. Uh, I can never answer that question, because it's I always am like Johnny Depp from Chocolat. It was Brad Pitt during uh uh Meet Joe Black. It's like there's specific yeah. time frames. Very specific. Not, yeah. not now. I don't want them now. I want them then. You know.
0: <laughs> Funny. Have you seen this show on Netflix called um High on the Hog? No, I haven't. Ooh, okay. So it is um this guy, he's kind of like in the food world, too. His name's Stephen Satterfield, and he was a sommelier for a while. And he, I believe you may have been a chef. I can't remember. But um, he basically kind of traces, like, the origins of um, specifically black food. So he goes to Africa um, and looks at the food of, like, West Africans, and then he kind of translates it to the enslaved peoples and, like, how food in the South kind of... Um, evolved and then he goes so he goes to west africa um charleston south carolina dc and i I didn't watch the last episode but he's in texas and he's talking about like barbecue but he kind of draws all these parallels to um like connecting the food origins
1: and so it was it was really interesting um to watch um someone who also does that on instagram that i'm obsessed with that i have Mm -hmm. been hounding to get on my podcast at least is michael twitty um and oh. i think he lives in the south he's black and jewish and does the same exact thing has gone to trace really? trace the origins of it all and mm-hmm. it's it's incredible it's incredible yeah. and i'm completely yeah. obsessed if they were to do a high on
0: the hog for like a hispanic um culture like where do you think um where do you think they would like go that's complicated
1: because Latin cultures are, well, there are many, right? Because yes, Mexican Mexican food is slightly different than Ecuadorian food, is different than mm-hmm. Puerto Rican food, is then different than Spanish from Spain food. Right. And then if you go to like the Canaries or Ibiza, um, that's, a, that's another different thing that's happening yeah. there. And it's yeah. kind of all based in the same things, but then all of a sudden you have to also take into consideration well you know um the 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 white people Brit- britain mm-hmm. came over and attacked and colonized and mm-hmm. then you know somebody else came over and then the indigenous people were there and what came yeah. what actually came from them and mm-hmm. so like things like exploring latin culture or or this question of like where to start is mm-hmm. almost virtually impossible to right. to answer unless you're going mm-hmm. to really start somewhere like deep in Mexico or deep in South America, like where like and and start with like the indigenous people, right mm-hmm. of it all. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um. Because, cause even in for Puerto Rican food, um. You know, there's so many influences that come that come in, you know, Mm -hmm. because because we are Spanish and indigenous and black, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's 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 complex. It's just really complex. And I don't want the 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 task of that journey. You know what I mean? (laughs) You could host it. It I mean, I mean, if Nat Geo wants to hire me for it (laughs) and, and, and I got the people. Yes, Yes. I accept (laughs) the people and the paycheck and coin. Yes, (laughs) okay, I accept. But if it's just me on a solo journey, that's that's not my gig. There are people out there that are doing it solo and doing it well, like Michael Twitty. And um, yeah, it's but it's it's fun to think about, isn't it? Yeah, you know, Mm -hmm. because even if you think about India and the way they got peppers was that Mm -hmm. britain went to persia found the peppers brought them to india i could be wrong about this but i'm pretty sure i'm right and then you know curry came from someplace else and over into india and so Mm -hmm. like all of these things that make Mm -hmm. up indian food came from all sorts of other places you know yeah yeah just because of like the the you know the sea trade the merchant trade, trade and, and,
0: and yeah and mm-hmm.
1: how that and how that all happened and it's super fascinating you know mm-hmm. uh, much like yeah. much like i don't know if you know that a lot of the a lot of the way we eat today with like frozen meals and like packaged salads and mm-hmm. all sorts of things like that like you know like the that bag of spinach that you <laughs> buy up in the yeah. grocery store um uh-huh. is all based out of the military right yeah it was all created for survival uh during Mm -hmm. the wars for the military and there's like a whole Mm -hmm. like you know um u.s like military influence on the way we eat Mm -hmm. and it's and it's bigger than you think
0: yeah there's a documentary series that comes on um i think it's the history channel but it's called like the food that made america or the food that built america or something like that and they do talk about how so they every episode kind of centers on a certain type of food. So like they'll have fast food and it'll be like McDonald's versus Burger King, or they'll have um, like pizza. So like Domino's and, um, and um, pizza hut. And then the one that came on like a few weeks ago was about um, like frozen foods. Yeah. And so they talked about like that and then like all of the different, um, everything that goes on like with the machine of like how everything just started like way back in the in the day and then they talked about like the war, like the World War One and Two, and then how that it all became like such a industry of like creating this packaged food and like then after the war it was like T V dinners and things like that. So
1: Yeah, and yeah. It, it was mainly created for survival for mm-hmm. our, you know, service people. And mm-hmm. then once the once these big food companies, you know, the food inter- industry realized like, oh well, this was cheap to do Mm -hmm. and these are preservatives and this and that, Yeah. then like the poisoning of America started (laughs) to happen, you know, the the high fructose corn syrup of it all. And, and all sorts of things. It's just, you know what food, food, like I said, is, is really complex once you think about it beyond sustainability, because Mm -hmm. I mean, there's such a history and, it's really weird to think of like where your cornflakes came from. But if you actually research where your cornflakes came from, they were developed by some some man, and uh, I'll probably get some flack for this, right? Because I, I'm going to mess up my history facts. Some religious man as a way to like stop people from masturbating, right? And yeah, <laughs> yeah and it was this thing like cornflakes yeah. were were oh this is the post guy right yeah part of okay, part of the part of this diet right this like non-sexual mm-hmm. healthy diet and you went to this camp mm-hmm. and you ate cornflakes and then his brother bought it and added sugar and called yeah. it corn, you know mm-hmm. and like yeah. but it was cornflakes came out of like this religious thing it's we it's weird and crazy yeah. it's crazy <laughs> think about it. how how like some of these things just came to be and you never mm-hmm. think about it right uh, I have to think about it all the time or sometimes when, you know, these random facts come up at me and I'm like, wait a minute, what, what?
0: Let's talk a bit about like traveling and, and food across, you know, different regions. Like where are some places that, you know, have some of the best food that you've ever tasted?
1: I, this is an interesting question because I have been blessed via the theater business to mm-hmm. uh travel a lot and a lot on a dime right because mm-hmm. she don't got she don't got money right? <laughs> like that all right she, she's considering the poll soon right because and there ain't no shame in that game because i need hey, some dollar bills
0: get on only fans they are always um,
1: hiring oh i can't i can't be bothered <laughs> listen uh, i i talk about it on my pod too that um uh, I have a, dir- a fake dirty Twitter account I do not post it's just a creep and peep all the only fans <laughs> right lurking yeah. just the lurking of it all but I fa- listen
0: you can see the whole like preview you don't even need the only fans account you can see everything uh, on dirty
1: Twitter right get out yeah. there. get out yeah. there explore your freak fel- explore your freak flag <laughs> you know. I'm I'm very sex positive about it all. Like, you know, Definitely. just just don't be crazy and don't harass people. You know, and if you want to mm-hmm. post your bits out there, all the all the more power to you. You know how many friends? You know how many people I found on there that I know, and I was like, <laughs> oh okay, well, normalize seeing your friends' bits. I say, you know? <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> but for me, the for me, uh, I mean, listen. <laughs> I got some bits, but uh, you know what? They're uh, they're not for the world to see just yet, right? Uh, at least in that vein, right? That's that's just more content production, and content production right now stresses me out. And to add one more thing, right? Especially and especially because that involves a lot of production and getting the right angles of it all. Oh, that's and the lighting. Oh, it's it's stressing me out just talking about it. Yeah. But um, I have been very fortunate, back to your question here, to be able to travel many places and out of the country. And really, you, I mean, and this was before the food journey really began. There are some really fantastic things out there. Um, The Canaries have some of the best food I've had. You know, Antigua. Mm -hmm. I went to Antigua. Oh my God. And I was doing something for the Moravian churches and they fed me. They fed me all these, all these people just came out of their houses to feed me Mm -hmm. and delicious, delicious. It's, I think it's more about finding the right experience and being Mm -hmm. open and being open to that experience um, as opposed to, Which place has the best food? Because, okay, uh, at least in my eyes, because in the sense of, I have walked into really, really expensive places in all Mm -hmm. sorts of, in, in this country and out of this country, and I've been like, oh, that was really expensive for no reason, right? No reason. And then I Mm -hmm. have walked into places where I'm like, we're gonna walk out of here with food poisoning, and (laughs) have had the best experience, you know? Yeah. Um. So, I mean, are, are there foods I prefer? Definitely. But can I qualify like countries and regions that are are the best, top 10? Mm, mm-hmm. You know what? Yeah. I would I'd, I'd rather not in the sense of like just because I missed that hole in the wall when I was in right. Killarney, Ireland, doesn't mm-hmm. doesn't mean that they didn't have good food. It's just that right, right. I didn't I didn't navigate my way to that experience. There. mm
0: mm-hmm. Mhm. Yeah, definitely. That that totally makes sense. And I I do think that, you know, our own kind of personal tastes are so specific that, you know, what might be the best Indian food that you've ever tasted, you know, might just be okay to somebody else, you know. So Absolutely
1: kind of, for New yeah. Year's, funny story that you said that. For New uh-huh. Year's, uh, one of my best friends is Indian, right? Hi, shout mm-hmm. out to you. And um he came over, right, for cause socially distant and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And we, we were just, it was just the two of us in this apartment where I was house sit, apartment sitting and we ordered Indian food. and He, he did not love it. Now my birthday mm-hmm. is the 5th of January. And mm-hmm. once again, quarantine birthday, I threw mm-hmm. myself, well, somebody threw me, that's a lie. Somebody threw me a birthday roast via Zoom. It was everything. <laughs> and people sent me bottles of booze. I got bottles mm-hmm. of booze delivered and food delivered mm-hmm. and he sent me the same Indian food that he really didn't like. And I really? said, "You are so shady." I go <laughs> I go, "You said this was the worst Indian food you had." And he goes, "But you liked it." Oh wow. So, that's why I yeah. sent it to you. So to your point is why I'm telling mm-hmm. this story is that yeah. sometimes someone's taste isn't like what I think is the best may not what you think is the best and right. granted him being of the culture right and mm-hmm. knowing what really good Indian food is and I only have that American experience of what right I mm-hmm. like you know obviously there was a difference but I still think it was shady that he sent me some food that he didn't like you know? <laughs> I still hold I still <laughs> hold that grudge yeah
0: awesome so you mentioned um expensive restaurants and i don't know if you've heard about this um have you heard about the steak 48 controversy no uh do tell yeah so steak 48 is a um upscale in in air quotes um steakhouse they have location here in philadelphia um, i believe chicago um houston and somewhere else i can't remember but um they were in the news because they have a strict $100 minimum per person um order so your order has to be at least $100 in order to eat there at their restaurant and they also have like a very strict dress code which um was a bit dramatic <laughs> um as well but like how do you feel about you know kind of restaurants who are cuz you know they're trying to i guess either exclude people or they say it's to heighten the experience of, you know, the restaurant and being there. So like, what, um, I have
1: questions. I have all sorts of Uh questions that you may not be able to answer (laughs) right here. First and foremost, I love that you came at me with food news because I am a food news queen every week on the podcast there is some food news hits and some of it is crazy Yeah, from like impotent chickens to, (laughs) Uh. to meat thieves, to all sorts of things. It's insane. Uh. So the amount of food news out there is, can be very joyous and very baffling at the same time. So, okay. Steak 48 has a hundred dollar minimum. I know a Mm -hmm. bunch of restaurants. Uh, I went to a restaurant pre pandemic, uh, well, you know what? First question. Let me back up. First question here. Is this happening now, post like while we're coming out of this pandemic? Or is this pre-pandemic and it's like kind of carried through? I think it's
0: always been that way. Okay. And I, you know how the news is. It was a slow news day and that became
1: That became the news. The news. The okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So pre-pandemic, I went to a restaurant here in, in the city. I was fortunate that uh someone paid for that, for me, because it oh, was okay. Um, 350 ahead at, oh. at the time of reservation. Oh, okay. 350 ahead mm-hmm. at the time of reservation, and you can't cancel and you will not get your money back. Oh, oh okay. Now, let me tell you, um, uh-huh. it is you end up spending more than that once you get there. By the by, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. uh, they'll take that money, and then whatever else is and ordered there, mm-hmm. you um, you, you have to pay for on top of that 350. And that 350 included like 10 to 12 courses of this tasting menu. So it was incredible. It was one of the most Mm -hmm. amazing meals of my life, you know, Mm -hmm. um, this like upscale Korean, but the chef was making, um, you know, uh, dishes that came from village, like all sorts of different villages from Mm -hmm. Korea. Mm like and then yeah. heighten them and it was it was everything um wow. I wouldn't change that experience so I get the I get the minimum for the experience. I'm curious mm-hmm. about what the experience is because for right. what we got, for what we got and for how mm-hmm. finessed and how very very special it was, I saw mm-hmm. why it cost so much. Now, right. if I'm going over to stake 48 and I sit down And you hand me some sort of menu that's not like necessarily set that I have to be like, okay, I guess I'll get like the steak frites and an order of like calamari (laughs) and can I get a cocktail and this and it's not like the waiter isn't really guiding me through what I need to be doing or there Mm -hmm. isn't some sort of like here, fine, you're going to spend $100, but like you can spend your $100 in this way and have this experience or spend your $100 in this way and have this experience and then if you order cocktails, it's going to cost you $150, you know, or, mm-hmm. or so on and yeah. so forth, and mm-hmm. have them tailor that out. Now, it being yeah. exclusionary, I mean, fine dining is fine dining. Some people, I mean, is Gucci exclusionary because they don't make affordable clothes? No. That's a good point. I mean... It's I mean, that that's a that's a larger political and social wealth discussion yeah. that I doubt we mm-hmm. want to go down and that I doubt I can <laughs> even super intelligently speak about here mm-hmm. at all. <laughs> but like, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? In the sense of there in my life, there are things I, I know I can't afford and there are things I can't mm-hmm. afford, you know, mm-hmm. hence why I live in 120 square feet in <laughs> In a very special building in Times Square, you know? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. so I don't know if, like, the exclusionary umbrella can really... We can really throw that at them. If, from the jump, they're like, this is the way it is, you know?
0: Yeah. Or yeah.
1: it's not like you enter the restaurant and it's like, oh, by the way, no, you the know price. this. You know this mm-hmm. walking in. Just like I yeah. know if I walk into Gucci... I probably mm-hmm. won't buy anything because I can't afford it, you know right, yeah, yeah yeah, so, yeah, so yes, now, are dress clothes exclusionary yes, you know and and based in racism, yes, for sure is it mm-hmm. is it that for this restaurant? I don't necessarily know if we can put that on this restaurant per se, yeah. you know yeah. um i would mm-hmm. I'd be very careful to do that in just because they've built this experience out in a very specific way to have right. this experience. Mm-hmm. Unlike yeah. that thing that happened, that stupid, stupid thing that happened during the pandemic with that woman walking in with her child to that other restaurant. It was all over the news. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And there was there was another child, a white child in he there, dressed, basically yeah. in the same outfit. In the same outfit, but yeah. But he couldn't come in, but the other kid did. Now that mm-hmm. is exclusionary and a mess. Yeah. You know, that we and can be like, yep, one. that was a mess. You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> y- y'all tried yeah. that. Y'all tried it. We're not here for it. Shut it down. Yeah. Peace. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Give everybody <laughs> a severance and shut it down. No. They call it a day. But like, as far as like fine dining and the fine dining experience, I've I've mm-hmm. worked in a lot of fine dining places. I get it. It's it's built for. It's built for an upper class, wealthy, and mostly white, you know, system here. And, mm-hmm. and I mean, once again, once we get into like an exclusionary, like kind of conversation and whatnot, I think that just throws us into a space of like, politics and social wealth and whatnot yeah. and it's a larger mm-hmm. discussion and another eight hour podcast that i don't think you or i have, <laughs> yeah. time, have, have time have time for, it. for but you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. like yeah like i yeah. i'm curious that's why i said i'm curious about what this stake 48 experience is mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. if you're fe- you know what don't piss on my head and tell me it's water sports like no like yeah. i don't want <laughs> I don't, yeah, like I, I, I don't sign up for it. No. <laughs>
0: yeah. Like I personally didn't have a problem with the $100 minimum because I love food. And I do think like if it is like a good experience, then I'm willing to pay for it. So like my boyfriend and I, we had our um, anniversary was a few months ago. And so I wanted a certain experience, you know, for that night. And so, you know, what I did was like we went to a steakhouse. Um, another one in Philadelphia called Alpine Rose. It's like a really tiny um it used to be an Apple store, <laughs> like an Apple, like not the actual Apple store, it was like a Apple repair store. So you could take your iPhone, yeah, or the, yeah, yeah. your computer there or whatever. But it was t- it's tiny. And um, so I booked it out for the for like a couple hours because I wanted a certain experience. And then also like the pandemic, I didn't want anybody around me. So Yeah, of course. You know you i was you know willing to pay a a certain premium for that and you know looking at this the steak 48 menu the prices are pretty high anyway so even if you order like one entree if you order entree maybe a side and a cocktail you're already at the hundred dollars anyway so it's like and then if you add dessert on top of it it's
1: like not yeah Listen, like I said, what is that experience that you're making me? Mm-hmm. You know, what is yeah. the what am I getting? What am I mm-hmm. like? What am I getting? For because that. I can go to another mm-hmm. fine dining restaurant and most likely spend over a hundred dollars over
0: that. Yeah, right?
1: or you yeah. know what? F that I can go down here in midtown Manhattan, like 10 blocks away. To some middle of the road restaurant, not even like Ooh. fine dining, right? And have mm-hmm. and spend over a hundred dollars and have right. a great experience, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. you know what? So why might the once again all the questions? I have all the questions for steak for like. <laughs> what's what, What's the reasoning behind this? And what am I guaranteed if you're making mm-hmm. me spend that? You know. Because also sometimes I'm meeting a friend and they're having the dinner and I'll have a cocktail and a nap. Like, but the restaurant is still getting the business and my my friends are spending all the money there, you know, Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden that cocktail and a nap turns into another bottle of wine. And what am I spending? A hundred dollars. There you go. Yeah.
0: Yeah best yeah um, so i'm introducing a new segment to the show it's called the category is quickie it's going to be five rapid fire questions there are no wrong answers so just say the first thing that comes to your mind Got think it. of it like fast money on family feud and i'm steve harvey the,
1: the, the rapid fire questions is that right or the showcase <laughs> showdown no that's that's uh that's price is right
0: yeah, that's Prices Right. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, whatever right it is,
1: out. we get it, right? Yeah. Hit, hit <laughs> me with your best shot. All
0: right. Are you ready?
1: Uh, as ready as I'll ever be.
0: All right. First question: For here or to go?
1: Ooh, for here. Oh, okay. <laughs> breakfast,
0: <laughs> breakfast, lunch, or dinner? Brunch. Okay. On which cooking uh, competition show would you like to compete? Oh, Next Food Network star for sure. Um, next question. How much do you top? Oop, I mean, how much do you tip? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know if that was a slip of the chocolate, but I'm going to answer both. <laughs> Freudian right? Freudian slip. Uh, <laughs> I top at least 51% of the time, maybe 49% of the time. And I these days, um, I at least try to tip over 20% if I have the cash. Now, if you don't have the cash to tip out there, then you should not be going out to eat, y'all. Because I have been seeing strewn all over the internet and via my friends who are in the service industry that people out there are acting fool. And spending all this money on dinner and then leaving no tip or leaving some sort of comment being like, sorry, I'm broke, can't tip. That's not a thing. All right. Yeah, that's not. People, people have been out of work. And so if you're going to eat, and like, let's uh let's boost the economy and help the people out. Right? Because if you can afford to if you can afford to go out to eat, you can afford to tip.
0: Um, what is the one food you refuse to eat?
1: Oh, one food I refuse to eat. Um uh, I don't oh my god, this is a hard one. I eat I literally eat everything. Uh I don't know. I someone fed me duck's web once, right? It was really oh, gross. That? Right? Ducks Web? Like Oh, the thing between the feet? The... Just the feet. But it's called ducks oh. web. You know?
0: <laughs> no thanks.
1: Yeah, it's like it's basically duck's feet. No. I, I ate it to try it. I don't ever want to eat it mm-hmm. again, but okay, I tried it. <laughs> right? Sorry, that wasn't so ahead, rapid man. fire. I got on a soapbox. <laughs> you started okay. talking about topping and then tipping, <laughs> and now I couldn't even think. Sorry, I, I I just messed it all up on you.
0: No, you're good. You're good. Last question How do you feel about dining al fresco?
1: Oh, you know, well, the nudist in me loves. <laughs> <no>. <laughs> dining alfresco I think it's one of the best things that's happened and I hope it stays here in New York I know a lot of people are angry about like the space it takes up on the street or like whatever well how it looks or whatnot but I love it it's it's really like added added like this extra like magic to New York at least in my opinion so I love dining alfresco you know
0: I hate it I don't like outside I don't like bugs all right well and there's too many distractions too
1: Well, there's always the inside option. It's not like we're doing away with indoor dining. It's just, again, hopefully not again. Yeah. (laughs) But, like, you know, you can eat inside and I can eat outside, inside, outside. Let's call the whole thing off.
0: <laughs> Funny. That is it for our show today. He's like, I gotta go.
1: I gotta go. I don't know what I got myself into. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but I gotta go. <laughs> yes. No, thank you so much to Michael Munoz
0: from In Your Mouth Podcast. Um, do you want to tell the people where to find you? Yeah,
1: of course. Well, first and foremost, I um thank you so much for like giving me space on your platform. To chat it's it's an honor um i'm always very humbled as someone who does what you do you know um to be asked and have the tables turned on me because you know it happens it's it's starting to happen a little bit more now but like it's Mm -hmm. exciting it's exciting it's yeah it's humbling it's it's just really really great and so i really want to thank you for giving me that space and inviting me on here um, right, no it was great. I loved, yeah. I loved this moment with you for sure, and I loved <laughs> laughing with you. Secondly, uh, you can find me all sorts of places. Uh, I have a website called The Munoz. That's T-H-E-M-U-N-O-Z.com. You can buy my merch there. You can find my podcast. Okay. You can, you can stalk me there. You can send me a love note. Uh, you know what? <laughs> do whatever you want. Right? Just, just do it with kindness and love in your heart. Mm-hmm. And then, on the instagram where i'm mainly like really active, my main account is at the kitchen gaily that's g a i l y or if you think about it daily with a g um that's my main, and then my podcast is in your mouth that's right put that in your mouth um and I heard that before that's uh hello uh, <laughs> <laughs> And on Instagram, it's at In Your Mouth pod. Also on Twitter, at In Your Mouth Pod. Uh, you can find my podcast anywhere podcasts are, are found. And I just found out that uh, on yes. Apple Podcasts, they listed me as one of their pride recommendations under uh, Passionate Voices. So I'm really, really, really honored yes. about that and ecstatic about that as yes. well. Yeah, so... I'm findable. Tim's for you. You know, if you type in yeah. Michael Munoz uh, on, in Google, you'll find uh, an Oklahoma football player, and then you'll find me.
0: <laughs> That's funny. Thank you so much for coming on. I'll be sure to put all of that down in the show notes so everyone can find you um, and follow you and stalk you and hopefully find your private twitter account
1: well i don't post i don't know what you're gonna find you you ain't gonna find (laughs) nothing on my private twitter i guarantee you that i do not post right so if you if you want to see if you want to see any of this you got to slide into those DMs and come correct
0: (laughs) (laughs) thanks we'll talk to you later bye bye Thanks for joining me for another week. I really hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you did, please be sure to like, rate, and review the show wherever you're listening to Category Is right now. Category Is podcast is recorded in Philadelphia. The show is hosted, edited, mixed, and produced by me, Maurice Smith.